Which please turn with me to your study outlines. And as you're turning, let me uh, welcome those of you that are joining us online, as well as our friends at First Baptist Church in Arco, Idaho, and also our friends at Purpose Church in Kalispell, Montana. We are so glad uh, that you're joining us today. As we are finishing up our series called This Time Tomorrow, as Pastor Jarrett just said, a series on uh, seeing God in our work and a higher purpose and plan in our work. What will you be doing this time tomorrow? Some of you are retired. Uh, some will be at school, uh, some of you are working, some of you are looking for work, but what are we doing this time tomorrow, and how can we honor God in that? And so in part one, it's just a little three-part series, I'll start a new series, our major fall series, I will start uh, next Sunday, but part one was when work goes right, that God ordained work, uh, He called us to work. Uh, God was a worker, and so it's imprinted on us to be a worker. God was a creator, so it's imprinted on us uh, to be a creator. And so we talked about when work goes right. But then last Sunday, part two, we talked about when work goes wrong. If work is something we're called to do according to a higher way to worship God in our daily living, then why is it so hard so much of the time? We said that if your working is unto Jesus rather than working to your boss or your company, it's actually an act of worship. God has a higher purpose, a higher plan in that, even when work goes wrong. Uh, Jared just mentioned that his thing he'd like to be doing tomorrow is fishing. And if you've seen the bumper sticker, a bad day of fishing is still better than a good day at work. How many of you have ever seen that bumper sticker? And you fill in the blanks for whatever your hobby is, your favorite thing. A bad day of that is still better than a, than a good day at work. Well, I'd like to make a bumper sticker that says a bad, a bad day at work, God is still working to build his kingdom. I don't think it's going to be as catchy as the others, but I just like to promote it. A bad day at work is still a day that God can work to build his kingdom through you. And now today we come to part three, which is a, having a proper work and life balance. Now, I really struggle with this. I just want to make a confession to you. I really struggle with what we're talking about here today. Uh, just ask my wife, Kimberly, and she'll tell you. So I've asked a, a help from a couple of leaders in our church who I greatly admire in this area. Uh, Tracy Morrow is one of the top experts in the world on this subject. Uh, for over 15 years, she's been the founder and CEO of her own wellness coaching business. If any of you have used the PX90, um, uh, P90X, PX90, P90X, thank you, that's what I had in my notes and I just went off script. P90X uh, uh, workouts, they're all around the world with Tony Horton. Uh, Tracy is on that video with Tony Horton. I should say that these are Tracy Morrow's video with Tony Horton as a guest on that, as I should say. Uh, you've seen that if you've ever worked out with one of those. Uh, she and her husband Casey uh, lead our marriage prep class. And I'd like to ask everybody to turn with me to the top of the inside of your program. And if you are engaged or if you are seriously dating, this is just an awesome class. I really believe that the time for marriage preparation is actually before you get engaged. Because you know what happens the moment you get engaged? The moment you get engaged, all you're thinking about is the wedding preparations, right? You're thinking about table settings. You're thinking about how to reduce the guest list so that it doesn't bankrupt you for years to come. I mean, that's what you're thinking about. Once, once you set the date and you're engaged, then all you think about is the wedding. But the time to really consider, is this the right person to marry? And to lay the proper foundation for your marriage is even before. Now, certainly when you're engaged, before you get married. But I would say even before engagement. 
And so when you see Tracy up here in a few minutes sharing, think to yourself, wow, what would it be like for six or seven weeks with her and her husband, uh, they're a dynamic duo, to get, uh, man, I wish Kimberly and I had taken this class before we got engaged or before we got married and would really encourage you to consider the marriage prep class that's going to start next month. Uh, Casey and Tracy have been married for 28 years in October, and they have six children. And then Pastor Lisa wrote the book called Thrive, which is on the subject we're talking about here today. She wrote the book on it, okay? So Tracy's an expert on it, and Lisa wrote the book on it. It's called Thrive. I'd highly recommend it to you. And it is basically a book that she wrote about how to balance the the very thing that we're talking about here, how to thrive in our life rather than to merely survive in our lives. Now, the first thing I want to share is that we wear busy as a badge of honor. Within our culture, it's almost a matter of pride to be too busy. We have a family joke in our family as our kids began to apply for jobs. Uh, And you know, you always get the question, what is your greatest strength and what is your greatest weakness? And so the family joke would be, is when you put down your, your greatest weakness, you put down something like this. I am so passionate about doing a good job that sometimes I work way too hard. See, you're putting it down as a weakness, but I'm telling you, employers love to hire people with that weakness. They they love that. Much, much better than workplace theft as being your greatest weakness. That is... (laughs) That is not a good one to put down there. You don't, my greatest weakness is I like to steal from the places where I work. Not a good idea. Put down there, you know, just sometimes I like to work too hard. We wear this as a badge of honor. Now, that can destroy your life. Overwork can destroy your life almost as swiftly as workplace theft. But one is an acceptable thing in our culture and society. One is a non-acceptable thing in our culture and in our society. When I was 10 years old, I went hiking with a group in the Adirondack Mountains of upstate New York. And we were going to climb to the top of a mountain that had no trails on it, just using a compass. The problem was we didn't realize that we had a sticky compass. That is, it didn't go to magnetic north. It just kind of got stuck in some other direction. And as a result, we ended up climbing the wrong mountain. We got to the top. We put in all the work. We were busy that day, but we climbed to the top of the wrong mountain. And that's what happens when we're busy for busyness sake. When we're just busy for busyness sake, just run, run, running, never pausing to ask where we are running to, we can get to the end of our life, we can get to the end of our week, we can get to the end of the day having climbed the wrong mountain. And so God says he will help us with this. Busyness is a temptation just like the other temptations in our life. Maybe one of the more prevalent temptations in our society and within our culture. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And being busy for the sake of busy and not having it connected to eternity is a common temptation. I think Satan has this plan to keep people so busy. I'm amazed at how people will sprint through their life and never pause to ask the question, what if there's life after death? And where will I spend it, heaven or hell? It's just amazing how people sprint through life, never pause to ask that all-important question. And if there is a heaven and if there is a hell, how can I go one place and avoid the other place? And so he says this is common to humanity. Satan's goal is to keep us busy for busyness' sake. And God is faithful. 
He will not let you be tempted beyond what you could bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. He'll provide a way out, a way to to have our energy pointed in a direction that's going to be up the right mountain rather than up the wrong mountain. Now, balance is important to God. Robert Murray McShane is one of the greatest preachers that ever lived. In the 1800s, he was a Scottish Presbyterian pastor. And just absolutely used by God to change the nation of Scotland. Huge revival happened because of his preaching. All kinds of opportunities. Non-stop opportunities. He started preaching when he was 21 years old. And just had non-stop opportunities to preach and to share the gospel. And so he just ran and ran and ran and ran and ran himself ragged to the point where his health broke. And then a typhus epidemic came through and he died at the age of 29. Preached for 80 years, from 21 to 29. Had a hugely successful life. I mean, at, at his, at his uh, funeral, there were 7,000 people, which was a huge amount for back then. 7,000 people at his funeral. And yet, as he lay on his deathbed, he had these poignant words. Because he realized he had brought it on himself. He had just overdone it. Burned the candle at both ends and hadn't balanced his life out. And how much better it would have been for him to preach for 40 or 50 years rather than just eight years. And so he had this poignant line on his deathbed. He said, God gave me a message to share, and I've gone and killed the horse that carried it. God gave me a message to share, and I have gone and killed the horse that carried it. Because, of, because balance is important to God. Ecclesiastes 3 uh, verses 1 through 8. And you know, I always just think of this as like a poem. It kind of, I have to admit, I haven't paid attention to it for years because it just kind of, it just it's like 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. If you're not careful, you just kind of, it rolls off of you. But pay attention. Look at, I paid attention to it this week. And it is profound. There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. Time to plant, time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to say, you know what, I've searched long enough. It's time to give up and move on with my life. A time to keep something and a time to throw it away. A time to tear and a time to mend. Boy, this is a good one. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Now, downtime in your schedule is important to figure out what to do when. Uh, You call time out in your life just to make sure that we're climbing the right mountain. That's why we encourage you every day to spend time alone in God's Word, the Bible, uh, quiet before Him, reading His instructions on a daily basis so that that day we climb the right mountain. That's what you're doing here at church on Sunday morning. You've carved out a precious hour, hour and a half, uh, the first day of the week to to get your eyes onto Jesus through worship, to get your eyes on God through the, the teaching of His Word, and to ask the question, God, what's the right mountain to climb this week? Rather than busyness, For busyness sake. Mark 6, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, Jesus said to them, 
Come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. Jesus said, even in his busy schedule, and they had been doing all kinds of good things, but he said, let's call time out. Let's, let's get aside. Let's listen to the Heavenly Father to make sure we're climbing the right mountain. Uh, that's what church is. That's what we're doing here uh, today. Exodus 34, verse 21. Six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Now, I love this because this is exactly a repeat of one of the Ten Commandments from 14 chapters before in, in Exodus chapter 20. He's just repeating it. But this time, Moses adds in a, a little, God uh, using Moses, adds in a little P.S. Even during the plowing season and harvest, you must rest. When was the busiest time for a farmer 3,500 years ago? Plowing season and harvest. Especially during the busiest times, it's important to call time out and to say, God, am I climbing the right mountain? Am I resting? Am I balancing things uh, out? Now, Tracy's going to come up right now, but before she does, or as she does, uh, I just want to share uh, a story about getting in shape. And I'm sure she's going to want to use this story. I'm just sure of it, you know, or this workout plan or whatever. You're just going to, you know, I, I want copyright on it. There's proof right here on tape that you can't steal this and, and sell it on my behalf, okay? A man was very overweight, and so his doctor put him on a diet. I want you to eat regularly for two days, then skip a day and repeat this procedure for two weeks. The next time I see you, you should have lost at least five pounds, when the man returned, he shocked the doctor by having lost nearly 60 pounds. Well, that's amazing, the doctor said. Did you follow my instructions? The man nodded. I'll tell you, though, I thought I was going to drop dead on that third day. From the hunger, you mean, asked the doctor. No, he said, from all the skipping. Think about <laughs> eat two days, skip. Would you welcome with me Tracy Morrow? Woo! Good morning, church. I am so excited to spend this time with you. I want to start out by saying that, yes, today I am going to be talking to you about taking care of your temple, but I am not going to give you a diet plan or an exercise plan so you can just exhale that I'm not going to commit you to that. So go on, exhale. I can see some of you immediately going, yeah. Oh, someone said, oh, we can talk afterwards and I'll give you one. No. <laughs> but today I want to talk to you about taking care of your temple in the way of your nutrition, what you're putting in your body, exercise, and rest. I know, it gets dead quiet when I say that. People don't like to hear about it, and it's not something we typically talk about in church, but let me put it to you this way. What if you were to buy a Ferrari? Would you like that? Would you like to invest your money and have a Ferrari? I wish I had my Oprah moment. I'd be like, a Ferrari for you, a Ferrari for you, but I can't give you a Ferrari. But just pretend that you put your resources towards buying a Ferrari. Now, when you took care of your Ferrari, if it was out of gas, would you open up the little tank and pour in soda pop? And when you needed oil, would you drizzle chocolate sauce or shove some donuts in there because it was a good little car all week for taking you all around town? No, we would protect, some of you are like, oh, maybe would that work? No, you don't wanna do that, that's not a good idea, but yet we would never do that to a car because we'd wanna protect our investment. And yet how do we take care of this one and only body that God has given us that we can't trade in for a new model when it starts to break down because we haven't taken good care of it? 
In the Old Testament, God goes into great detail to the design and how he exactly wants his temple built. Now, maybe some of you have like skipped over all of the instructions because it's so detailed, but have you ever thought about how much time and effort and creativity he put into the creation of that temple? And then not only that, what the priests were supposed to do to prepare themselves so they could go into the presence of God in the temple. It wasn't about the temple, it was about the presence of God. And yet in the New Testament, he did something amazing. After all that work and the beauty, the temple is done, the purpose of the temple was done, and he put his Holy Spirit into you and I when we chose to follow Jesus Christ. And he put the responsibility and the privilege to us to now protect his investment. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with our bodies. New Testament versus Old Testament. Now the Holy Spirit resides in us. And my prayer for you is not to give you another diet plan with a start date and an end date. And for you to think like, I've got to do exercise this many hours, this much time because X, Y, Z. But instead transforming our minds to think about why am I, how should I take care of my body in the areas of nutrition, exercise, and rest. Now, I am happy to announce to you that the leadership of this church makes taking care of themselves a priority. And I know this because I'm nosy, and I asked them all. I texted them all and said, hey, what do you guys do? And many of them, I know what they do. But if you look here, you'll see a variety of your leadership showing what they do, whether it's serving their family healthy, nutritious meals, or grabbing a friend or your spouse, and either going to the gym or hitting a trail. Pastor Eric and his wife, Sarah, they still haven't had the baby, right? Do any second. And their whole life, by definition, the age of stage of their kids is a cardio workout. So we're going to give them a break that they don't need to head to the gym because they're living it. But then you see Pastor Greg here, sleeping like a boss and showing that rest is important. And I would like you to not miss the fact that he has his I Love Purpose church, church shirt as his jammy shirt. He sleeps in his I Love My Church shirt. How cute is that? Not pictured here is Pastor Brian. Pastor Brian at the Claremont campus came to me a couple years ago and said, Tracy, I really want to make this a priority, taking care of my temple. And in the last two years, with consistency and all the things that nobody here sees, he has lost just under 50 pounds. Wow. Yes. I wish he was here to hear that. It's a, it's a hard road, but he stuck to it because it, he changed his mindset. And then what about our top dog, our big leader, Pastor Glenn himself, a track runner extraordinaire in high school and college. We know that because he tells it to us all the time. He's out there on the trails of Pomona, hitting the road, showing us how to get, get it done. He's like the Rocky of our church. Look at him. He wants to do some laps. You can. Go for it. No, no, kidding. <laughs> but for a lot of us, going to the gym or taking care of our bodies brings up a lot of negative emotions, and I get that. But isn't that how a lot of us feel? It's just 
oh, I already feel sore at the, even the idea of it. And the idea of giving up your special food or drink or whatever that it is feels like a real sacrifice and something that you have to give up. And what I'm looking for for all of us, what I have been praying for all of you, is a mindset shift. Romans 12.2 says... Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. When we look at it like, I've got to take this, give it up for a while, I've got to lay down what's really good to do this bad, hard stuff because guys should, because X, Y, Z, and the world has it for beauty and for, so that I can you know, show it on social media, but that's not really it at all. It really is the privilege and the responsibility of taking care of the temple where God has put the Holy Spirit. Every day we have the responsibility of remembering, of remembering that we're taking care of our temple, God's temple. So I'm going to give you three areas. Three areas, with, and each slide is going to have a lot of information. So get out your phones if you'll take a picture of it, and I hope you'll review it later because it's a lot of good stuff, but I'm just going to hit on one thing per slide. The first area to focus on is nutrition. You are what you eat. Did you know that God could have made our bodies so that we didn't have to eat, we didn't have to exercise, and we didn't have to sleep? He could have just made us this machine that could do all the things that he had for us. But no, he asked us to come into cooperation with him to take care of our temple. You are what you eat. He made all of the food, our food sources, to come into collaboration with ourselves as the building blocks of our bodies are continually being regenerated based on what we put in our body. I have a little homework assignment for you. Go home, and if you eat foods out of boxes or bags or packages or cans, I want you to turn it over, and I want you to read the ingredients. Can you pronounce them? Do you know what the heck some of those things even are? And yet we're putting them into our bodies every day and we wonder why we're feeling, you know, run down and sick and brain fog and confused and frustrated with, we just have things we want to do, but we just don't have the energy to do them. You are what you eat. My mom always said, eat what God made. Tony Horton says it this way, fruits, vegetables, lean proteins, whole grains, and healthy fats. If you eat the things that God made, then we are going to be putting the proper nutrition into our body. So as our building blocks are being regenerated, our cells, it's with the good stuff, the stuff that was supposed to be there, taking care of the investment that Jesus did on the cross. Number two, exercise. It takes energy to make energy. Have you ever heard it takes money to make money? So true. It takes energy to make energy. And you know what God did? In addition to all these things and all these benefits of exercising and getting our heart rate up for a period of time, finding something fun to do for a period of time, he put in built-in rewards. Have you ever heard of the runner's high? Endorphins that are released and into, your, into your body that you start to feel like, I can, I can do anything. I feel like, oh my gosh, I've got so much energy. You tapped into something that God put into us as a reward for taking care of our bodies. Likewise, stress releases into our bodies something called cortisol. Cortisol is a bad hormone. It makes us feel even more angst than we really are. And did you know that when we exercise, as he has made our bodies to release the happy hormones, he has also made exercise to burn up the bad hormones. So it's good for us on so many levels. It takes energy to make energy. Last one, sleep. 
We heal in rest. Our bodies were made to heal in rest, whether it's emotional, mental, physical. One out of seven days a week, we are supposed to be resting. Out of the 24 hours that he gave us every day, one-third of that is supposed to be done, be given to rest in a deep sleep. And a great example of the power of sleep and the power of when you don't get your sleep is if you have any of you have children in your lives, a two-year-old when they don't get their nap. <laughs> have you ever seen them? It's like a complete meltdown. They are so irrational. And honestly, a sleep-deprived adult isn't that much better. We've just gotten really good at holding it in rather than having a complete meltdown, but aren't we more cranky and snappy and, and just grouchy and we view everything like and people stay away from us? But you know what? Jesus said the two most important commandments were to love our, the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength and to love others as we love ourselves. And we can't do that if we're sleep deprived and we're putting bad things in that make us grumpy and run down. We heal in rest. We heal mentally, emotionally, and physically. Now, this might seem like the least spiritual part of Sunday for you this morning. And you might be like, oh my gosh, I hope he never asks her up to talk again. But actually, Pastor Erwin McManus just wrote a book called The Last Arrow. And if you haven't gotten it, it's amazing. One of the things that he says in the book is, the most spiritual thing you and I will do today is choose. Choose what we're going to all things really, but in this certain area, taking care of our temple, that's the way that we love and serve God and people with a transformed mindset and a healthy temple. Thank you. Tracy, that was so good. I think my favorite exercise is somewhere between a lunge and a crunch. It's called lunch. It's <laughs> a good one, yeah. Well, hey, it was a Friday, and my husband called me. Now, I knew this was bad news because it was a Friday where I was leading a conference, and my husband is a smart man. He knows that to call me on a Friday in the middle of a conference is danger territory because it is like right in the middle of crunch time. It's crazy zone where we're like pulling it all together. We're getting ready to roll things out. But he did call, and so I answered the phone. And he said, Lisa, there's been a tragedy in our family. I said, oh no, what happened? He said, one of our chickens died. I'm like, okay, children still standing, check. Husband still standing, check. House still standing, standing, check. But all of our chickens were not still standing. Each of my four kids has a pet chicken and poor winter had not made it. She had fallen off her roost, broken her neck, and she was with us no more. And then my husband proceeded to hand the phone over to my sobbing, wailing, hysterical five-year-old, Mommy, my chicken died. Oh my goodness. So, you know, I had to be mommy in that moment to my five-year-old and do everything I could to comfort him and reassure him and give him some hope for his life that would seem to be over. And then I got off the phone and I had to go back into a room full of people waiting for me to speak and speak while the chicken funeral commenced at home without me. My husband's a very good man. Well, uh, work-life balance, it is that elusive, just out of reach 
mythical unicorn. Well, hello. I'm the mythical work-life balance unicorn. <laughs> right? That mythical unicorn, that mythical work-life unicorn that is just out of reach. I mean, does it actually exist? Work-life balance. Does it exist? Is it possible? It's kind of like the search for the holy grail or the fountain of youth. I'm not sure if it really is even out there. Um, you know, when you hear work-life balance, do you think about that person that maybe has it all together or so you think? They like get up at five o'clock in the morning and they hit the gym for an hour and then they come home and they have some kind of protein shake that's like grass and cactus with like extra seaweed or something and then you know maybe they spend an hour in prayer and meditation before they head off to work and they grab their pre-planned meal that they had ready they work a full day and then you know just as they drive home from work they remember to call their mom and have a conversation before they get home and they you know cook an organic healthy meal and then do some dishes, do some laundry, pay some bills, and then they settle down with a nice book before they're in bed by 9 p.m., all with meaningful conversations with their spouse and children or their roommates. And don't you just hate them? Oh, who can do this or who can sustain that? It's just not possible. I think I tend to manage work-life balance by being equally overwhelmed in each area. And that brings balance, right? This is such a difficult area. You know, one survey says that 89% of Americans feel like work-life balance is a problem. 89%. That's almost 9 out of 10 Americans. We need some help. We need some hope. Who needs some hope? We need hope in this area. We need some hope that we can actually figure out some ways to manage this. Okay, so let's break it down. Work-life balance. When you think about the word balance, you think about weighing things out, right? Maybe you think about a scale. And, you know, all of us love to get on a scale and get weighed, right? Said no one ever. Um, who created this torture device anyway? I mean, scales are a difficult thing because we, we get on them and it actually gives us that number that we are always hoping is a little bit different than the number that we see. And when we put our, whether it's our physical body on a scale or our life in terms of balance on a scale, it gets so frustrating to us. It gets so hard for us to kind of figure out because I think when we, we do that and we see that we're not in the balance that we want to, um, we get so sad because everything that is part of our lives that we're trying to balance is important to us. All of these things are important. I mean, our work is so important because it pays the bills. Work is important. But work is important for more reasons than it just pays the bills. I mean, we were created for work. God created us to have jobs so that we have purpose and that we can make a difference, that we can have a, a say in helping make lives, pe people's lives better, that we can complete tasks and we can get things done. Work is important. 
but our relationships are super vital to our health and well-being as well. It's important for us to maintain and have those healthy connections with our friends, with our family. Our marriages are super important. You have to be all in on your marriage. You can't just divide up your time and say, oh, you get 5% of my time. You have to be all in on your marriage. Our relationship with our kids is important. We have to be all in with our kids with our parents, um, with our, our grandkids. All of those different relationships are important. And so, you know, we think about those two areas, work and family and relationships, but then we even pile more on with our health, with our spiritual growth. That's a lot of things that we've got weighing us down on this scale. And I feel like sometimes people want us to, like, get out this scalpel and just, like, slash our time, and it feels like it's slashing our life. Like, who gets 5%? Who gets 10%? Who gets 20%? And that just doesn't feel good because we want to be all in in all of these areas. And so how in the world do we figure out ways to, to manage this, to balance it in a way that, that makes sense and allows us to live life in a way that feels, um, that feels good, that feels healthy, that feels like we can be kind people to the rest of the world. Well, if you want to beat burnout, you've got to be intentional. There's nothing to get around it. You've got to be intentional if you want to beat burnout. When I was getting ready to go to college, my mentor sat down with me and he took me out for coffee and he said, Lisa, I want you to look at this grid. And he just drew this on a piece of paper and he put it in front of me. And he said, here's the thing. When you are now an adult and you get to do adulting for real, you have this incredible temptation to do anything you want whenever you want to do it. It is the blessing and the beauty and the responsibility of being an adult. We get to manage our time. He said it's going to be so tempting just to, to squander time here and there. But if you are intentional about taking your schedule and looking at it maybe 15 minutes a week and planning out how you're going to spend some time, you're actually going to have enough time. You're going to have enough time to go to your classes. You're going to have enough time to do all your studying. You're going to have enough time to sleep. You're going to have enough time to go to your meals. And you're going to be able to do it without pulling all-nighters and still having time to hang out with your friends on the weekends. I'm like, okay, sign me up. Let's try this. And so he began to teach me this process of what it means to work a grid schedule. And I love this. I love this so much because it has become a, a very pivotal way of shaping my thinking and my time management. Because whenever I get overwhelmed, I go back to the grid. Whenever you need to get out of the grind, you need to go to the grid. Whenever you feel like you're, you're getting yourself out of whack with your schedule or getting overwhelmed. Now, I love this so much because it has actually changed the way I think about things. So I don't even think about it as work-life balance so much. Now I think about it as life work balance. I've flipped it in my head because I know that when we are in charge of our schedule, when we control our time, it allows you the opportunity to feel like you can get more done. So if you ever get to a place where you are feeling out of balance, you've got to get out of the grind and go back 
to the grid. Get out of the grind, go back to the grid. So the cool thing is you can draw one of these anywhere. You can draw it right on your notes this morning. You can go download one online and you can change it from week to week. You can change it from day to day. Um, that is the beauty of this. And this is such a powerful resource because it allows you to help find balance. And that's something that we're all seeking to try and find. You see, and so you take your grid and you fill in your hours. You block out the hours where you need to be sleeping. You block out the hours where you need to be working. You block out the hours where you're going to be eating or exercising. I mean, there are some non-negotiables that you just need to put in there and make a priority. But then you have a block of time staring back at you that you get to figure out what it is that you are going to do with your time. Now, when Jesus was teaching the disciples, one of the things that he was working with them on is talking about the things that we do here on the earth that have benefits up in heaven, that we may not see those rewards here on earth, but that we have benefits for us in heaven. And this is the way that he said this in Luke 12, 34. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And it's so interesting to think about this because what you do with your money says a lot about what you value. But what you do with your time says a lot about who you are. And so weighing those two things out are very key for us to figure out how to live a life with some balance. When you get out of the grind and you go back to the grid, it allows you to even track things like, hmm, I don't know, how much time you're spending on Netflix or how many extra hours you're actually putting in at the office, maybe how many, many hours you're spending playing video games or even maybe why your car seems to be like automatic pilot to like go to Target or, uh, you know, doing some of the fun things that you automatically find yourself doing all the time. So... You know, I was thinking this week, what if there actually is enough time? What if God, in his genius, created the earth and the sun and the moon, and he set it all into orbit, and he said, this is day and this is night, and here is time, and then he handed it to us. And what if God actually knew what he was doing? What if God created enough time for us to get it all done? And then when sin entered the picture with the fall and brokenness and it just messed everything up where we were using our words in hurtful ways and our intentions were messed up and our actions are messed up because of our sin nature, what if the way we manage time got messed up as well? What if it is a battle every day for us to redeem back time? What if, as followers of Jesus Christ, that becomes a responsibility in our lives to redeem our time and not let it get taken away, not let the enemy rob us of the time that God has given us? You see, that means that we constantly have to recalibrate. It means some days we can work that schedule and some days we can't. It means some days we might need to drop everything if a loved one calls and go running. And that can be a beautiful use of our time. You know, there are some times that um, maybe we just feel inclined to work and we work too much. And there's other days that maybe we don't work enough. Uh, this is the balance and the beauty and the, the struggle of humanity and free will, that we have these choices and these opportunities. But here's the good news. 
We have a God that wants to help us with this. We have a God that gave us the gift of time and allows us to go and say, God, help me know what's important. God, would you help me with my priorities? And God is more than willing to do that. Have you prayed over your schedule? Have you ever done that? Have you asked God to be the one that helps you to give you priorities and help you find some balance in the areas that you need to find some balance? You need to get out of the grind and go back to that grid. Now, when we aren't intentional with our time, it is easy for us to panic, to procrastinate, to get overwhelmed, to get too busy, and and time starts to stress us out. But when we are in a place where we are able to kind of like stay out of the frying pan because we're making priorities with a plan, then that is something that is so honoring to God. Scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, so whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim. What's our aim? Our goal, our priority, our emphasis for the week. It is our aim to please Jesus, whether we are at home or whether away. So as the worship team comes back up, um, I want to just invite you guys to think about some of the areas that maybe you're feeling like you're out of balance in. And where do we get that balance? If you need more time for your marriage, you need to plan for it. You need to stay out of the frying pan and prioritize the plan. For your marriage, that means plan to go for a walk after dinner and and spend some time talking. Plan a date night. Get that marriage counseling on the schedule. You can invest in that. Maybe you need more time with your kids. You need to plan for that. You need to plan to invite them to come over and cook with you or go out and throw a ball around or go for a walk or spend some time texting them or schedule a phone call with them. Maybe you need to schedule some less time on your phone. I mean, this is one that I think we're increasingly feeling more and more challenged with. And all the statistics out there that says the more that we spend screen time, it leads to increased anxiety, depression, anxiety, feeling overwhelmed, and feeling busy. So when you get home, plug your phone in and leave it there. Don't take it with you to the dinner table and eat with it. Don't take it to bed with you. You do not need your phone as an alarm clock. Go buy an alarm clock. You don't need your phone there. Put it down and leave it alone. You know, as we're trying to figure out what this is, it's not about creating a perfect schedule. That's not what creating a grid or redeeming our time is all about. But it is about creating a realistic one. And that means that some days you may have to spend more time in the office. And it means other days you're going to have more time to play and hang out on the couch and enjoy time with your loved ones. And that's what balance is all about. It's not something that we can accomplish every day, but over time, we start to see that balance in our lives start to play out. You know, most days, we probably should eat our vegetables and go for a run. But there are other days that we need to eat cupcakes and wear stretchy pants unto the glory of God. That's just the way it works. So as we think about this idea of redeeming time, you know, every day does not need to be the same, and they probably shouldn't be. But God really did give us enough time, and it is called life work balance. Jesus, thank you for the chance to think a little bit about this this morning. Thank you that you created time, and thank you, Jesus, that because you created time, we can rest and know in that we actually do have enough time. 
And so, Father, I just invite you right now to speak into each one of our hearts and our lives and challenge us about how to reorganize that in a way that feels like there's more balance in our life, but is overall more honoring to you with how we redeem our time. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. And all God's people said, amen.